This is Mocha Bezergan. This is Dr. William Mackis. This is Heather Hying. This is Chase Barber. This is Daniron Kour. Hi, this is Frank Peretti, and you are listening to the Sean Goodman Podcast. Welcome to the podcast, folks. Happy Friday. How's everybody doing? Today's episode brought to you by Silver Gold Bull, North America's premier precious metals dealer with state-of-the-art distribution centers here in Alberta and Nevada, and that's Calgary and Las Vegas. And they ensure fast, uh, fast, fully insured, discreet shipping right to your doorstep. And uh, they offer a diverse set of services, including buyback, wholesale, registered saving, savings like RRSP and TFSA, as well as storage and refining solutions. You can find all their contact info in the show notes. We have our own dedicated guy, Mr. Graham. So if you, you're not buying silver and gold, that's to- totally cool. Uh, maybe shoot him an email and, or a note saying, hey, thanks for supporting the podcast. Those go a long way. Let me tell you. And I appreciate your guys' support and uh, reminding Silver Gold Bull that, hey, we're paying attention. And if you haven't ever uh, took them up on uh, any silver or gold, and just go to silvergoldbull.ca. Super easy. You go there. It ships right to your doorstep. It's pretty slick. And uh, it is RRSP season. So if you've ever thought about putting some of that into your, uh, you know, putting some solid metals in your RRSP and you're like, well, how is that even possible? Give Graham a call. Find out a little bit more and uh, see what it's all about. CalRock. Your trusted partner in surplus oil field equipment, new used and expertly refurbished oil and gas equipment here in Lloydminster, servicing both Alberta and Saskatchewan. They serve as your reliable partner in your oil field projects from start to finish. You go look at the amount of stuff they offer. Uh, uh, it's it's quite incredible. Um, you know, here's just a few. Uh, anywhere from 50 all the way up to 2,500 barrel tanks and everything in between, honestly. Buildings, pump jacks, compressors, generators, on and on and on it goes. CalRock.ca is where you can get all the information. Ignite Distribution out of Wainwright, Alberta. They can supply industry, safety, welding, automotive parts. They got on-site inventory management. That's Shane Stafford. He's going to make sure that uh, whatever you're uh, working with, that you don't run out of it. There's, you know, like... We're, we're coming up on the weekend. And how many people want to worry about things when it, when it's on the weekend or holidays or on and on and on? You get kids hockey. You know, you, you want to make sure that whatever makes your business tick, you don't run out of it. If uh, that lines up with you, Shane Stafford out of Wainwright, Alberta, he's a, he's, he's a beauty. 780-842-3433 is where you can find him. Rectech Power Products. For over 20 years, they've been committed to excellence in the power sports industry. They offer a full lineup, including Can-Am, Ski-Doo, Sea-Doo, Spider-Mercury, Ebenur, Mahindra Roxer. They got this crazy Stark Varg electric motorbike. Are you just like, what? Like, it's just, what? It's You got to go see that. I mean, you know, I'm no motor, I'm no dirt bike guy. But they tell me it's like got insane power. And now that I've, you know, Chase Barber was on, you know, Edison Motors talking about some of the things there. I'm like, I'm now kind of curious, you know. And uh, if you've never been into the Rectech uh, showroom on the west side of Lloyd, you should stop in there. They're open Monday through Saturday, you know, parts department. Like they got just tons of stuff. Or just go to rectechpowerproducts.com. That can uh, work out too, you know. Um, Substack. Uh, it was just... Uh, well, we've got we've got multiple uh, multiple different things going on, but uh, Substack April first, the two year anniversary of going full time. We are going to be turning on the paywall. So if you want to get in and, and see what it's all about before that happens, um, that that is uh, well, hop over. Uh, it's just simply sign up for an email right now. It's like two emails a week. I'm not gonna. <clears throat> the the hope isn't to just blow up your email like 80 emails, you know. Um, but we are going to be turning on the uh, the the 
the the the paid portion starting April first, and uh, we'll we'll see how that goes. We're gonna have have some fun with it. We've been having fun with it right now. Who am I kidding? And I keep pointing out, you know, if if things get a little western and a little wild with the podcast where we get removed from anywhere, um, look for updates on on uh, on Substack. That's that's probably where we'll we'll try and center our attention. So if you're wanting to make sure you don't miss any of that, sign up for Substack and uh, and catch all the latest, greatest, and uh, be the first to, you know, hear about a, a bunch of cool things coming down the pipe for the podcast. And um, yeah. All right. Let's get on to that tale of the tape. He's a former member of the Canadian military, founder of Diagonal, and you might know him as the raging dissident. I'm talking about Jeremy McKenzie. So buckle up. Here we go. Welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Jeremy McKenzie. So, sir, thanks for uh, hopping back on this side. Of course, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Well, I, you know, it, it's, I don't know. I don't We all get working in our, in our, in our, I don't know, little areas and, um, if I don't uh, uh, reach out and and get you back on, I, I it'd probably be a couple of years, and and then I'd be like, yeah. I don't have no idea what happened to the rage, you know, and um, <laughs> I, I'm like, I really need to 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 bring him back on just to bring it up, you know. And I was just saying to you before we started, Daniel Bulford was just in studio, um, and I was, it was just a nice. How's like, he? He's doing well. I hope. Yeah, he's he's living up living up north. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, uh, Grand Prairie kind of country. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, you know, I would say that he's soul searching, but um, mm. you know, he's been um, I don't know. Dan's Dan's a wicked dude. Like I just, yeah. I think very very highly of that man. And uh, a lot of people do. He's a great yeah. guy. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, and a lot of people think he's a plant. That he was a uh, yeah. RCMP plant, and he's he's coming yeah. for us all. Well, who and who are these people? Who says this? Internet schizophrenics that don't have any professional career experience in any field anywhere. Like, so the, the least credible people in the world say X, Y, Z. But you know, there's also you know alien lizard people inside the macaroni that are controlling our thoughts through the refrigerator device. You know, Wi-Fi. So I mean, <laughs> you know, it's not of any no no serious people think these things. So it's. You know, I don't know. It's, it's just because the internet is so polluted with so many of these voices now. It's kind of like great equalizer. You don't have to. You can just show up and be on the internet and make noises and um, you know cause you know kind of stir the pot and sling mud at people and people's imaginations. You can't see who's saying these things. It's just an account. You know, whereas if this was real life, like this is a homeless guy, you know, covered in stains and sweatpants on the street with a homemade sign that's spelled incorrectly with letters he cut out of a Sears catalog. Daddy Bulford works for like you would never. <laughs> He would just walk away, <laughs> but because you know it's the internet, everyone will maybe like no, not maybe, you know. Um, yeah, it's they typically they love to do that. That's how they get you. Because like, I I work for them too. Maybe you probably do now too. So this is like the second or third time we've talked. So you obviously have something to do with it, like to trick people into you know obeying the you know not breaking the law and you know. Um, <laughs> Uh, trying to find effective ways to community build and improve yourselves and, and resist tyranny, you know, you know, Fed stuff that they would do. It's ridiculous, and and, and they're the same types that are up there Fed posting and saying crazy stuff like we're gonna start hanging people and like in in seriousness, like well, that's you know, that that would be 
fed entrapment to the people that say and you know encourage these kinds of things which is what ha- that happened to me that happens to all kinds of people they they show up morgan was actually just telling me the story i don't think she told me this but at uh they had a fundraiser for me last year in, in hamilton and she was there and this guy kept trying to get a hold of her uh like pull her aside like yeah, i gotta talk to you about something i got and she's like i don't and he's like listen we gotta do something about the prime minister you think we can take him out like do you think we should do you think we can get at him and like get you know we can we can assassinate him and she's like what in the fuck? Like, CSIS is probably right. Like, you got to tell Jeremy I got this great plan. Like, <laughs> okay. It's insulting the level of, like, uh, like did, did you think, did you guys think that would work? Like, you know, this this guy, he doesn't know who anyone is. He doesn't know who Derek or any of the guys are. It's like, so you just bought tickets to a random fundraiser for, like, this niche internet terrorist guy, and you don't know anyone involved. But you do know that we need to cr- concoct violent plots to assassinate <laughs> the prime minister. I see. I see. CSIS isn't really, they're hiring, they get who they who applies, and I don't think too many people are interested, so they got to work with what they got, which isn't much. Well, you, you must you must have saw the recent uh, article on the military looking to get away from uh, uh, white men. Yeah, They want it to be more inclusive, yeah. more equitable. And I... I, I... <laughs> that's how you win wars, I think? Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, that is that is the primary function of the military is to fight wars and win them. Because if you lose, it's the, the worst possible scenario ever. Um, and uh, the RCMP is uh, doing similar thing. They want trans identifying women and <laughs> stuff. And uh, uh, my friend Alex uh, <laughs> Ferry was commenting on this and said, uh, "Like that, that is what they're doing. You've just basically signaled to everyone who you don't want." Um, when I actually left the military in 2017. I was looking at transitioning. To, so I was interested in, in, in a job in law enforcement. I looked at maybe the RCMP. Jesus. The I thought you were about to say I was interested in transitioning. And I was. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, well, <laughs> to, that's, to another, that's what I did not see. Another coming. career. It made a lot of sense. I mean, uh, you know, you're both in uniform as a you know federal you know employee representative of the Canadian public. And, you know, there's discipline, code of conduct, escalation of force, you know, firearms proficiency. All the, there's, a, there's a number of tons of things I thought were applicable. So I was like, well, if I'm going to do anything, it makes sense. Um, but they, they, there was an ad I remember specifically. I think it was for the Halifax police, but this has been all over the country where it said, here's, we're recruiting and here's who we're looking for. Uh, minorities, uh, disabled people, people that speak Arabic, Turkish. You know, It was just down the line, trans identifying this or that, they, them's minority. And I, I wrote them back. There was one you know, particular demographic that was missing. I was like, you could have just said no white men and that, that would have... You know, save you a lot of time in ad space because that's it was a long way to get around to that point. You literally want everyone else but that, and uh, that's what they would tell us. They even told us in the um, uh, one of the interviews I went to. Uh, well, you do like the intake and you do the aptitude testing, PT, you know, physical testing, and and then you do like the interviews and stuff. Um, me and a bunch of guys from two RCR were looking into doing this back in I don't know maybe fuck when this would have been twenty twelve or something. I can't remember, but uh a while ago and uh they didn't they didn't want anybody these guys are all like sergeants with like multiple deployments and like spotless records like exactly the kind of guy you would want um you know i you know ideal candidate for that job anyway and they took none of it they did take they took one guy that applied who was 19 he was native and he had three two or three uh i think one was pending and the other one was a conviction and another one pending for just being drunk at work and like drunk driving and just being a, a, a train wreck like in the army so he's a, a teenager with a drinking problem and he's now an rcmp i assume uh, but they didn't want any of these guys and they said how it works is uh 
You've got 30 spots at the depot or the, the uh, training center in Saskatchewan, Regina, I think, is where the RCMP trainer guys. And they said, this, so there's 30 spots per class. And say you and like you and I, we both, we both go do the testing. And we score better than anyone. The top one and two. You're number one, I'm number two. We have the highest scores and everything. Destroyed all the testing, whatever. But there were 30 uh, women, minorities, trans-identifying, disabled, <laughs> all, all of these alphabet soup people who barely passed the minimum score by like a hair. There's 30 of them. You don't get a spot because they prioritize over everyone else. So even though you're the ideal candidate and the best possible, like blue chip draft pick for the police force, um, if there's anybody ahead of you that's like in a wheelchair and identifies as <laughs> some kind of sex pervert, that you know, yeah, you're going in first. You're going in. You're going in straight away. So, uh, well, I had I had a I had a comedian. Uh, um, <clears throat> I ran a, a Christmas show for a group of companies. This is a couple of years ago now. Um, hmm. This was coming out of out of the Freedom Convoy year, so I assume it was Christmas 2022, if memory serves me correct. He was a comedian from Edmonton, and he was talking about how. Uh, I, I can't remember if it was just for laughs. I assume it was, was talking about how they could only have so many white, uh, comedics. And I said, well, isn't that messed up? And he was like, kind of caught off guard that I would say, he's well, you know, and I'm like, no, think about it. You go to a comedy show. I don't care what color you are. I just want to, I just want to laugh. If you can't make me laugh, I'm sorry. Like yeah. you could be whatever you want. A, yeah. a sucky comedy show. It's like going to a, the, the, uh, a, a hockey game or something. Do you want to see a little Which bit of everything, or do you want to see talent? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They st we've stopped hiring for you know meritocracy and and appointing people based on their ability or or recognizing people for their work. It's all the entire country seems to have taken a culture of a temperature attitude. Of well, Boeing is, Boeing's the same way. Boeing was yeah. the, was the one where that broke on, right? Boeing yeah. came out and they're, they're you know you're, you're going to have a midget or a, or a <laughs> <Planes> disabled. <laughs> Planes are on fire, falling out of the sky, and they're like, "It's fine. We got it's fine. It's all good. It's yeah. all good." I actually talked to a guy in a in a weapons company recently, like a big one, and he's you know I didn't ask, but he definitely makes a lot of money, considering what his job is, and uh, he's one of the only guys they had in the country that can do these the tasks and the you know the the professional sector that he's in, and they just got rid of him a while back because he he wouldn't get vaccinated, so like. You understand he's the only guy that can do this. And they're like, yeah, we don't need him. Like, no, we do, actually. And you're firing people over politics, like critical staff. You know, oh, we don't have enough health care, but we'll fire 10,000 health care workers. They, the they, just, they just acknowledged uh, this week in Ontario yeah. that maybe the mandates had something to do with the staff shortages. Yeah. You think? <laughs> yeah. yeah you, no you think? Two years later, we could have told you that. But, but who's, is there going to be any uh, punishment for this? Like, there won't be. I don't think so. I don't think there's going to be... Who would carry that out? Everyone's excited now. Like, well, it's just a matter of time. Whenever this stupid election comes in, the conservatives will come in, the liberals will go out, and we'll just carry on business as usual after everyone's done partying. That you know, we got the libs out. Do you think they're gonna run an inquiry and, and look for criminal findings of you know what happened over the last? Because they participated as well. They supported all the same mandates and lockdowns and said nothing. So they're gonna they're gonna charge themselves. They're gonna investigate themselves with no. Well, I, um, I would say here in Alberta. We got close, right? We had mm. the the Manning report, but it's it's right. government investigating government. Yeah, it's toothless. It, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, it'd be like cops investigating cops or something. I, I don't know yeah. if that's a good analogy, but like, it's like, yeah. well, what are we gonna do? Like, throw half of the yeah. political force in jail? That's me and you. 
Oh no, we 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 <laughs> operated in good faith. We we did the best we could with the information we had. Hmm. Well, it's, it's yeah, the cop, the, you know, the government investigating the government. At best, you'll get an apology. There'll be some fake apology. We're well, really no, but we had Daniel Smith apologize. She literally walked in, apologized, and the world threw everything at her and called. And then she yeah. apologized for the apology. Ridiculous. That doesn't that doesn't keep anybody alive though. Like there's. It, it, it's like they're behaving as if it was a natural disaster. There was an earthquake or something. Like, no, there's people out there who took advantage of their positions and authority to enrich themselves and advance their position at the expense and literally on the blood of our own people, and they're still walking around with big bank accounts. And you're like, oh, well, we shouldn't have did that. Sorry about that. Well, why? who's to stop them from the... Like, that's not how this works. If there's a murderer running around, you arrest him and you put him in prison so he doesn't murder more people. Uh, thieves. Here, here we just give them. That, here we, just, we, yeah, here we, we just we give jails. them bail, right? We, we yeah. just we just yeah. kick them out unless you know your coots for Unless, floor. yeah, unless you're so. If you're if you're David Zegarak, you can run over. You can attempt mass murder in a terrorist attack of a convoy demonstrators in in Winnipeg. You just get house arrest. He's on house arrest for two years for a mass murder attempt. Tell, uh, attempt. For the audience that doesn't know, uh, tell tell a little bit more about that, Jeremy. Yeah, so that David Zegarak is an uh, an Antifa uh, left wing terrorist. He's he's I think he's got a conviction of some kind of child sex crime, sex pest. Uh, I don't know if it's photos or molestation, something, or he's being in being investigated for something like that. He uh, got into a jeep uh, patron, I think, a white one. And while the convoy was happening in February, and everybody's worried about terrorism and all this, there was terrorism that took place from from uh, left wing Antifa. Uh, David Zegarak, Z E G E R A C. Uh, he got in a in a and it just ran plowed into a crowd of people, ran over f- four people. Uh, he hit as many as he could and then fled the scene and took off. It was later arrested for dangerous driving, and he's got a, a two year house arrest sentence. But if I if I go if I sneeze near a library, I'll be shot by snipers. <laughs> like I'll be I'll be attacked immediately. Uh, but uh, they can they can get away with this because if you're, it's not that he that it, it, the crime that he did. It's who he did it to. Because he did it to you know, kind of us, and and we're horrible and unacceptable and despicable and fringe, you know, um, it's kind of, it kind of all bets are off. They'll just let you. They'll look kind of look the other way as much as they can. Whereas if it, this was in reverse, if this was one of these uh, pride marches for the, you know the rights of some grown man to you know wash his junk in the women's washroom in front of twelve year old girls, and somebody ran into that crowd of people with a jeep, everything else exactly the same, they would be getting fifteen years in prison, twenty years in prison. Absolutely. No one's going to be able to convince me that wouldn't be the case. But not for darling David Zegrak. Multiple, he's, got a, he's got a record. Like, his isn't, he's a criminal. <laughs> That's, what, did the Anti-Hate Network write about that? I don't even know if they're still alive anymore. I think Bernie Farber um, was forced to resign to spend time with his family uh, days after Hategate came out, and, and they're being thoroughly humiliated in court across the country. I've had like uh, it's up half a dozen senior police officers now, staff sergeants, inspective detect- uh, inspector uh, detectives at the RCMP and stuff say, yeah, it's nonsense. The whole hate, the whole anti-hate narrative is, is complete misinformation, nonsense, propaganda, smear. Like in court, under oath, um, it's a discredited organization. But this is who law enforcement was taking information from. And, and they don't uh, report on, you know, we're here to report on hate and violence. But no, you're not. You just play for your team. And, and and you put on this veneer, this costume of some kind of uh, agent of benevolence, where you're just kind of trying to keep people safe from the hate. Like there's nobody more hateful than than them. The uh, that whole specter spectrum of people over there, and like the ext- 
if you want to call it the extreme left, I'm not sure you know what kind of audience you have. <laughs> That's more. Uh, uh, most people understand what I mean, you know, when you say that. But they're yeah, they're they're protected, and they've got they've got judges, they've got you know senior policemen, they've got connections in CSIS, they've got all this kind of stuff. Um, our country's been under ideological capture, you know, from pretty much from top to bottom. You know, every time I bring you on, you ask what my audience. <laughs> Uh, a ton of Do people I? love you. Uh, yeah, I yeah. never know who I'm talking to. I'm just, I, I'm just like okay, because it's. I, I don't mean it to be condescending or insulting to anybody. No, 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 like, no, no. When you're say like so, so I'm I'm a war veteran, right? Uh, the way I would speak to a classroom of high school students is not the same way I'm going to speak to a barracks full of guys that were you know I was deployed with or you know old guys from Korea. You know, it's going to be different. Um, you just but anyway, yeah, I don't know, but uh, yeah, I didn't want to say. Well, I'm just looking the wrong back. Words, but. I'm looking back real quick here, if anyone's wondering why the heck I'm taking my sweet time, because uh, um, I have it. I, I believe you're number five. I just want to make sure that before I say that, I'm, I'm correct. Ten, nine. Mambo. Bigot number five. Mambo number five. Yeah. Last year, you are number five. Uh, downloaded episode for me. We talked cool. once. We talked once, <laughs> right on. and 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 the level of hate I got from both sides—well, wow, like like it was just like so. I'm there's a polarizing people, figure. <laughs> so there's people, right? Like I mean, Daniel Smith was just on the show not that long ago. Oh, okay. Okay. And I have certain people who are like, you can't interact with certain people if you're going to have her on the show. And I'm like, well, that makes about as much sense to me. Yeah. Like it doesn't make sense. That's not how I got here. Mm -hmm. And you know, like I when I was when I was looking at February, I was like, man, it'd be fun to have some uh, some people on that you know I was talking to right around the convoy time. Right, it's two years since the convoy, and uh, the guy I talked to before I walked out the door and jumped in a vehicle and drove like twenty straight hours to catch the buddy thing was you. And I'm like, <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, I'm that. like, like so you know. And then they just slam everything on, you know, you're a terrorist, you're all this, you're, you're going along and on and on and on and on. And you're just like, well, at some point, I don't know, it, does it mean Jeremy is a perfect guy? No, me and you've chatted about that. You know, yeah. you getting drunk and, and the, the comments about Polyev's wife, I think everyone can agree that was pretty, that was pretty rough. Um, but overall, I, I, we were just, we literally we were just chatting about you like two days ago because- mm. Um, you know, the Coots 4 thing is an interesting is an interesting thing, right? Because they did plead guilty to having a gun at a protest. And uh can what was it? Can, what was the second one? What did what did uh Morin uh uh plead yeah, to? Yeah, the, there's some uh, I, weapons trafficking, I guess. Now the other guys are like, we don't know what the hell he's talking like, he's just signing something to go home. Like he's just cause they So what I think happened here, I just spoke to uh a couple of the people the last few days, a couple of investigative journalists about this. And, uh, you know, what happened, what I think happened is because they got, the, we got this lawyer involved, Daniel Song, who's very, very good. Like, he's elite. He's like, that's, if he can't do it, nobody's going to do it. You know, whatever trouble you're in, that's, that's the highest level of kind of guy you're going to be able to get. And um, there were some plans, it sounded like, to go after the, uh, there, there were hearings scheduled to challenge the search warrants. Um, because they were bullshit and they never should have been issued. Um, and if those get shredded and thrown out, that's it. The whole case is gone. All those guys are going away. Um, so I think what happened was the Crown recognized what kind of danger they were in. And because Song only represents Lysak, like, well, <laughs> plead to the. What we know you're guilty of is there's a gun where it shouldn't be. And that's it. 
That's all they really have. So just and, and you can go home with basically a parking ticket. And then that way there's no reason for Song to stay involved. And then, you know, you keep the other three cases alive. One of them ended up kind of piggybacking on this, um, you know, kind of arrangement to I think this Jerry Morin was the other guy. And he pled guilty to weapons trap, you know. Um, but, you know, now you, you still got two in there, two out of four. It was that or lose the whole the whole thing would have been thrown out with no convictions. Like, is that what you want if you're the crown? I mean, I that's a you're in a bad spot. So dumb, then happen. dumb question, Jeremy, because this is what I've been what I've been <laughs> trying to figure out. Right. Mm. Is if 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 it's like, listen, you got the you got the ace in the hole. This lawyer is like, you know. The Muhammad Ali of lawyers. Okay? He's walking in. It's as close to a sure thing as you're going to get. And he's saying, listen, this is getting thrown out in like a month, and they know it. Why plead to anything? Well, yeah, and I, I've kind of been in this position a little bit, so I, I can kind of understand. Like he's So you're in there for two years already. Your kids are out there. You know, um, and there's no, that's the thing. There is no such thing as a sure thing. They'll all tell you, any good lawyer will tell you that. They're like, I can be pretty confident, but I, you can never guarantee anything. And then if we toss in our criminal or judicial system, it really, there is no sure thing. So fair enough. And right. The way things have been going and there's ways out of it. Like I've been like, you know, mine have always warned me all along. Like, look, it looks good. Like this makes sense. It should work. Like there's no reason, but I've seen crazier things happen. So that's kind of always the situation. So on, on the one hand, you have signed sign this basically traffic ticket of, a, of an offense. If this was any other time period, they just get pulled over. Like, sir, you have a gun in your car or truck by accident. Like, ah, oh, I forgot it was there. Ooh, well, that's not authorized. You're not allowed to do that. Here's a fine and a license suspension. That's what they would have had. But instead, he gets two years in prison. Uh, what? That's that's crazy. Um but if like that's all he's going to walk away with, and that's his for sure thing, versus the unknown of maybe it all gets thrown out, maybe it doesn't, maybe this carries on straight through to trial, and it's another six months. You know what I mean? Like I can I can see how that makes sense. You know, if you're if you're Chris Lysak and if you're his his attorney, that's uh, as at the end of the day, that's that's their job. That's the lawyer's job is to do what's in the best interest of his client, and is it what's better for him, and what does he want to do, and if it's take this slap on the wrist fine for nothing basically and go home or risk you know like uh who wants to be a millionaire like you know let's push on to the next question and see how far we can ride the snake and roll the dice you know i i i don't uh i don't don't think it was a bad i think it was a a huge win to go from something as serious as conspiracy to murder and then having to you know uh, well i I, it was a A weapons charge like that's that is a that's a chasm of a difference it wasn't even like well, for, so they arrested him for uttering threats. Where did that charge go? And then they charged him later with conspiracy to commit murder. And then what he ends up pleading guilty on is a misplaced firearm. Like, the credibility of the RCMP is in jeopardy here. And the Crown prosecute. Like, this is a huge deal. This is a big problem. And a lot of people are, are like, uh, in the legal world or are paying close attention to this and it's not i don't think this is going to end well i think there's heads heads have to roll uh over this this is crazy and uh and and what did it all get predicated on the anti hate network did this knowingly seeded the ground with this insane narrative this this crazy story for years fed all of this into the police into the into public safety oh yeah and, oh trust us we're hate experts right it goes to the public safety office. They tell the prime minister, look, we've got terrorists everywhere. They're going to attack. 
They're going to attack police. Like, this is what he's being told. So you're the prime minister. You're being told this by public safety. You're being told this by your public safety minister. CSIS is telling you this. You only have minutes to make decisions or hours maybe. Like, if you don't, like, what if something happens, right? So whose fault is it? Like, there's a lot of people somewhere between, and we know from the Hategate documents, Detective Inspector uh, Simon Pillay, uh, there's only, I don't know how many of these there are in the RCMP, 20? Like, those, it's a high rank. And uh, he said, uh, something, I, I can't do it verbatim, but uh, the facts of this case do not reflect what's being reported in the media, and we're in danger of basically going down a, a rabbit hole here. Uh, so that, so somewhere between him and, and this was January, February of 2022. This was a known, like the RCMP is like, yeah, this is a nonsense story. Back then. Uh, so somewhere between him and the public safety minister, Marco, somebody decided, ah, I'm just going to make something up. I'm just going to lie, I guess. I'll just say whatever. Can you... Who uh, was that? I don't know. Can you... Uh, you know, it's one of the things... I, I can't remember if it was it Zach Schmidt. I can't remember who I was talking to about Hategate. Um, mm. But, uh, you know, I've never had anyone on to to bring everybody up to speed, if you would. I assume lots of people okay. have read, up, read on it. But at the same time, I, I, I don't think it's something I should just slide by idly. <laughs> it's a crazy story. It's the it's one of the crazier stories. I even after it happened, right after the convoy was fresh, when the when they enacted the EMA, I I could see it all play out like instantly, and I was just I could stop laughing. Like this is the craziest thing. This is ever. This, I cannot believe that they did this. <laughs> like you can't go back from this. You suspended. You enacted martial law over a meme. You did, and <laughs> here we are two years later, and that is becoming unavoidably true. Like there's nowhere everywhere they're looking under every rock pile and carpet for where's the terrorists? Where's the weapons caches? Where's the boogeyman? Where 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 where's any of it? And all this time they went well the coots though. Yeah, that that also nonsense. Like you, you, there's literally no justification for any of this. There's anti-hate articles written by Evan Belgord having a hysterical feminine mental breakdown, which was copy and pasted by police, copy and pasted to CSIS, copy and pasted to the public safety minister, copy and pasted sent to the prime minister. Pretty, pretty terrifying. Like these, these are the people that are supposed to be guarding the walls at night while we sleep from... The Chinese influencing our elections to influencing the police investigations, maybe organized crime, shipping fentanyl into the country. Uh, where is all that coming from? Are we going to go to war with the Russians and the Iranians? Who's keeping track of their agents and their spies and assets inside the country? What's going on with all these Palestinian protests? Is there any kind of terrorist angle we need to worry about there? Because our country's uh, you know, facilitating a destruction and genocide of all these people. I mean, it stands to reason somebody's going to be pretty upset. There's a lot of things to focus on. And the people that are supposed to be keeping that under control and keeping an eye on that to keep us all safe are chasing a goat figurine statue around the country. And, and no, no, no one's fired, really. I saw an ad the other day that uh, the guys were tw sharing around on Twitter, or CSIS talking about how they're, we're, we're going to focus on domestic terrorism, ideologically motivated violent extremism and all the, all the other things I just mentioned, no. Uh, people that disagree with the government domestically, that's CSIS's mandate now. They've made that very clear. That's what they've been doing. So, um, yeah, we're in really we're in really scary, bad shape in this country, I would say. When you say we're in very scary, bad shape, you think we're worse off than we were two years ago? Oh, yeah. Two and, two and a half years ago? Well... <laughs> 
so it's hard to say. I mean, the same people are still <laughs> in every every place they've been. I mean, that that's still the same. But I mean, I guess on the other the other side of it, the flip side of it is that the networking and and kind of evolution of of the popular resistance has has grown significantly. A lot of people are now you know in touch and working with each other and um, combining efforts and so on. And there's been a lot of pushback. There's been a lot of defeats in, in court, especially for the state. A lot of these char- I mean, I'm going to beat every single one. Canada has a 64% conviction rate. I've had 20, I don't know how many charges, 23, 24, or something like that. I'm going to beat every single one of them. I should have gotten, I should have, I should have at least six convictions already. I have none. What's going on in this country? Why did these guys spend two years in jail for something that didn't happen? You know? When you uh, say you these, should have six convictions, you're saying that the the percentage of what they're doing, yeah, percentage-wise, yeah. you should St- have six. Statistically, right? If you get ten charges, you're going to go down on six of them. You statistically, statistically. That, those yes. are the, that's you know those are the you know overall. But um, so it's it's odd, right? Uh, Chris Sky is another guy like that. He's had I don't know how many tickets and fines and charges and stuff, and he's beaten all of them. So it just it's it adds more evid- it, it it adds more weight to the idea that the government is using the legal system to attack its critics and, and attack its uh, detractors, which, I mean, in my opinion, that's absolutely what's been happening. It's been happening for de- for a long time, not just recently. But what's different now is that they've made such a high-profile mess out of all this. That me, Coots, everybody, Pat King and Tamara Leach and all of these guys, all the stuff they're doing, that it's caused a lot of people to stop and pay attention, and they don't like what they see because uh, – if I'm a if I'm just somebody who's not paying attention, I'm just a normal. I'm a liberal voter, or I'm not really politically active. I'm just somebody going about my business, minding my life, like most of the country tries to do. And you see the stuff in the news, and you see all the arrests and the this and that. And you're like, okay, yeah, well, you know. And then they all start, you know, nobody's guilty of it. Like, you know, <laughs> it starts to become confusing and scary and troubling because even you know those people who want to. You want to believe that everything's under control and everything's being looked after, but it's getting really hard to pretend that that's true when you can uh, open a newspaper or look at anything and just nothing makes sense anymore. And they're, it's, it's obvious to nearly everyone that they're lying all the time. And now they have to lay off all these media layoffs are happening everywhere because there's no value. Nobody wants, nobody cares what, what a Rachel Gilmore has to say. Like no one's interested in these valley girl opinion pieces and this this they want uh, the, people used to listen to the news because it had value to them because it had information about what was happening that they could reliably uh, use to navigate like a map of the world that they're in and instead they're just being uh, force fed virtue signaling garbage and social justice crap and cultural Marxism like nobody they didn't ask for that they came for what was going on and you've you know berated them for an hour and a half about white supremacy and white privilege and why you're a piece of crap and you need to worship indians and all this kind of stuff so they tune it out and you know now you're all being fired because no one cares what you have to say and if uh you'd done your jobs uh none of this would happen everyone would still be in their positions Uh, you know the media would still be where it is and uh, but in order in order to have done their job they would have to admit and follow along with the freedom convoy and realize It wasn't what it had been said it was. Yeah, I, I think uh, journalism, I'll compare it to the military because it's the only thing I've ever, I know how to do. <laughs> um, like anything, like a lot of jobs that can, and in Canada's case specifically. So you could join the military in like 90, 97, you know, 95. Uh, we fought a war in Korea. Um, there was a couple little dust-ups in like Bosnia here and there. But, but generally, you can join the infantry right or something and be in the army for 20 years and never have to fight a war but you can ha- hold that position 
and never have to go to work for real. Because um, it's kind of easy. It's just safe, you know, good times, you know, let her, let her roll. There's not really much, to, nothing to report, you know, everything's all quiet on the Western Front and so on. Um, same with the media. Um, but when things get hairy, and now it's now there's consequences and risk and it's scary and like yeah like yeah you're gonna have to ask these questions you have to go up there and ask the chief medical officer what the fuck he's doing or ask the prime and they don't want to because they're well I could lose my job or we get funding from these people this this and that so in the military uh, when uh, Afghanistan happened and all of a sudden Canadian soldiers were involved in hardcore street fighting and house to house you know bayonet to the death fights and stuff for the first time since Korea all these guys that all of a sudden uh, weren't gonna go. They were fine pretending to be, you know, warriors in the military, but then when it came time to do the job, lots of people found excuses, and their cats are sick, and they're, you know, they're having. So I'm pretty and... fortunate to have three guys in here once a month right now for a military roundtable that all served, oh, right all served in Afghanistan and saw the biggest fights. Mm. We do a military roundtable. Henceforth, me asking cool. about your travel uh, uh, arrangements. Yeah. I'm like, that'd be it'd be interesting to have uh, Jeremy McKenzie on a, on a military roundtable. Sure, yeah, I'd do that. <laughs> you do it. You do it in person out there, and we we do it in person. We do it in person. Yeah, Lloyd Minster. Lloyd, Min okay. And the demilitarized zone, the border state of yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like the North and South Korean DMZ in Saskatchewan and Alberta. It's like I freaking love it here. You know, Alberta <laughs> thinks we're the edge of the world. Saskatchewan thinks we're the edge of the world. We got yeah. what did I say? We got we got hardly any union. I mean, sure, you got a little union, but not much. Uh, yeah. You got small government. You know, we when we did the one million march for children, uh, yeah, for children, uh, we had I don't know six hundred fifty, seven hundred ish people out against twelve yeah. protesters. It was you know like to me that makes sense. Yeah, I would I would who who do you have? Well, who is it? Who are we talking about? Who's coming? Are they cool? It's like going the, to a party. Who's gonna it's, be there? It's uh, they're Princess Patricia's. Uh, oh, they're 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 three of them. They're old school. I'll send you a link. You you listen to Chuck Prodnick and, and Jamie Sinclair and Willie McDonald. You'll you'll be like, oh yeah, yeah. How yeah. old are they? Are they um, my generation or older? No older. I gotta think. Sorry, boys. Are you are you are you? Sounds like they would have been early fifties, late forties. Yeah, would have been. They would have been my NCOs in the Afghanistan years. They would have been sergeants and war officers. I'll send. I'll send you the. I'll send you the last one. Um, okay. The the the. Nobody complains about those three coming on the podcast. If it was up to some listeners, they'd come on every week because they just they yeah. they've been through the shit, right? They've they've seen yeah. they've they've seen it, and they talk I about how they, other I think people. They did the most. I think the yeah. Patricias had the most savage. To, like we tried to spread it around, uh, you know, so not the same units have to keep doing it. But I think they when we added up, I think they had the most. Yeah, I think they had some pretty pretty savage rotation. Who did you who, who did you serve with? I was with the RCR, Royal Canadian Regiment. I'll I'll bring it up on the next. They're coming in in like two weeks' time, so yeah, I'll bring gonna it up. Make, they're going to make fun of me and yeah, call me all kinds of names. And they'll say, well, you're a bunch of cowboys <laughs> don't have any standards. You're all with your big hair and you're, oh, look at me, I'm such cool. Yeah, it's funny. The inter-unit rivalry is fun. But yeah, but yeah when I went to, uh, to, I spent a little time at Seesaw and it was just guys from everywhere. It wasn't just RCR guys. There was Patricia's, PPCLI guys there. There was French Van Du guys, your armor regiment guys, engineer guys. Uh, people from every so uh, yeah, it was just you get to meet a lot of guys from all over the military, so that was that was fun. But yeah, I love the lot, a lot of great guys at Patricia's for sure. Now I'm going to assume uh, I, if I was placing a bet, I'd place heavily that you did not watch the Super Bowl. I'm just going to say that <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say that's that, like I'm putting a lot of money on that right now. What gave it away? Yeah, no, I didn't. Didn't. Did really you spend see? Time. Did you see the ice spice thing though? 
Did you, did I you don't do- know what that is. Is that the weird pumpkin girl with the head? Yeah, and the upside down Christ, and, and 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 the and the ice spice. Is, is this? I'm old now. I've just realized in the last couple of years, yeah. I've now reached like dad world where, you know, there's a new celebrity song. And I'm like, what is this, young people? What's on her head? Why don't I understand? I don't understand anything they're doing. I don't care at all. I don't know who's famous. I don't give. I couldn't care less. Ice Spice you know? is a, is an American rapper. There you go. Oh, Born in Bronx. Oh, of I, course. I couldn't tell you. I I just I I was I you know like I I, I watched, and the fact how many times they showed. Uh, taylor swift on there i was i was just like this is like this is the story they've been they've been just salivating for right kelsey wins the super bowl has a bunch of big plays and they just keep showing taylor swift over and over and over again and then ice spice pops up with an upside down cross on doing what looks to be i don't know (laughs) and you're just like you go down the conspiracy rabbit holes and you're like i don't know i i don't know where 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 to go uh... in this I think the simplest way, that's the cool kids club. If you're in the entertainment industry in Hollywood and the music, yeah, they're all, that's what they're all doing. That's what's, uh, the Satanist cool, stuff. It's cool, cool to hate on the Christians and do, yeah. Yeah. I think there's some, there's a little bit to this, uh, there's, there's a cult, I think for sure. I don't know to what degree or how big it really is, but I think there's a lot of that kind of, uh, it's not new either. Like Madonna started doing this stuff in the 80s. Like this has been kind of around for a long time, but it's really over the top now. I mean, they just have straight up some of the other uh, some of the concerts and Super Bowl stuff. Like, what was the one guy? I can't remember. There was some Academy of, was an outdoor. Or... No, sorry. It, it, it was like an outdoor music festival, and the in the back the uh, the stage artwork was like a portal to hell. <laughs> and like yeah, a bunch of people had seizures, and some of them died, and there was like a trampling, and you're just like, um, that was a rapper. What is this? That yeah. was a rapper. I'm trying to think yeah. of who that was. Somebody will text me and be like, it was Travis, this guy. Travis yeah, Travis. Scott, uh, is that it? Tra- or maybe, yeah. I don't know. Regardless, the, enter- the, entertainment in- the entertainment industry is crazy. Like, there's a lot of sick people in there. Yeah, Travis Scott, Astral World cons- con- uh, yeah, concert. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Ten people died at it. Yeah. Ten people. Oh, Only ten. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it- double digits. people died at your concert uh it i don't know do you you, you don't go into any of those rabbit holes uh i you, used to i, I was just, i was literally just talking about it a guy I, a guy called me and we were sitting here going back and forth he's like what do you think ice spice i'm like i don't know man is he, i don't know yeah. i don't well, know so i mean who like this is just some pl- like people like that don't even matter you're just a uh here today, gone tomorrow, some face to throw up and make money and, you know, whatever. Sure. The people that really matter, though, uh, yeah, they're scary, and they do scary things. Like the, you want to, in this vein, anyway, the opening, I think I've called the Goddard Tunnel, G-O-T-T-H-A-R-D, I think it's Gotthard. It, it was an extension or a uh, improvement on, or, yeah, I think an extension the the Large Hadron Collider in Switzerland, the CERN project, and they had this big ceremony to open the tunnel. So obviously very exciting, you know, who we're all going to go. Some of them, uh, some interesting political figures were there and a lot of rich and powerful, influential people. And it's like... I remember seeing that, yeah. When you're opening a... Oh, we've got a new science machine that's going to help us, you know, advance into the future, everyone. Let's let's celebrate by... I mean, what does that look like? Uh, well, apparently it looks like a strange, you know, giant eyeball tunnel with people dressed in goat costumes and, 
<laughs> just the creepiest stuff you've ever seen. And like, oh, look, there's the Chancellor of Germany. Like, what is this? What the hell is this? If I saw this anywhere, I would leave immediately because this is like someone's going to be sacrificed and murdered here. Like, we're in a cult, guys. This is crazy. Uh, yeah, there was. Anyway, you go look it up. It's a, I think the, the CERN tunnel opening ceremony or Goddard tunnel, something like that. Like, uh, what's the what's the explanation for that? And like, oh, it's just art. No, what kind of art? For who? Why? Like, who? Anyway. They're weird people. There's weird psychos everywhere. Yeah. And then there's things like uh, Mossad Island, where you've got all the you've got presidents and tech moguls and CEOs of the energy industry going down to this island hosted by Jeffrey Epstein to do God knows what. And then you've got uh, Bohemian Grove. Did you ever see that video of Alex Jones busted in a Bohemian Grove? And Bohemian like, yeah, Grove. We're all just standing around naked in robes, worshiping an owl statue, where we're burning human effigies of children and. Oh yeah, like, and these are senators and congressmen, and yeah, okay. So that's not what I do with my friends, but <laughs> you know, there's a lot of weird stuff out there, man, for sure. These people are crazy. They're they're crazy. A lot of them are are legit insane. Um, like, do you think just it's, watch them do talk you, for ten minutes? Do you do you do you think it's insane though? Uh, not that not I'm going to preface that. Uh, not that what they're doing is insane. That they are insane. Or no, do you I think, think they, do... they they believe deeply in the power behind the ritual? I, some of them definitely do, yeah. Otherwise, why would they do it? That's People that that level of success and influence aren't just wasting time with nonsense. Does that make sense? Like, they're not, you know, they wouldn't, they're, they're completely consumed and obsessed with, you know, influence and power and, and money and, and what's going to bring them more of that and do more. So why, why do this if there's no, if there's nothing to this, if this isn't going to advance them in some way or bring them somewhat closer to something they want, why would, why, why have time? It's like, I've, I've, I could use these three hours to do any number of other things. Why am I sitting around watching people dance around and have simulated orgies and goat costumes with giant eyeballs floating around? Why, like, why am I doing this? I could be in Wall Street right now. I could be. There's a million other things I could be doing. I could be getting donations from billionaires. I could be running political campaigns. I could be getting, you know, DAs appointed in you know key states to enforce crazy DEI laws on the population. There's a million things I could be doing, but right now, you know, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like, I don't think that they're the type of people to just. You know. Oh no! To to me, that's why I say I don't think they're insane. Sure, are there a few that are insane? Yes, on every yeah. single side of this, there's some people out there that are wacky tobacky. I yeah. think they de believe deeply in what they're practicing, and I would probably argue sure, that uh, they feel. Well, I mean, they're 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 dabbling on the dark side of things, and the dark side of things is uh, probably pretty terrifying, to be honest. For uh, from where I sit, well. One of the something recently that I mean we just don't know you you never get to see what goes on behind the curtains really but they had this guy uh, elected uh, his name Javier Milai yeah Milai from or uh, whatever from Argentina. Argentina yeah yeah he looks like looks like nerd Wolverine yes <laughs> something, something along that lines immediately he's like I'm converting to Judaism immediately I can't wait I'm so excited and now he's now he's brought to Israel and he's like in tears he can barely stand up this guy's carrying him because he's in tears he's so emotional. And bring him up why, to the wall. Why? I, I, I watch this. What the what, hell is... Wh why is it... What is What is significant about that? What I, I was just talking to my brother about this. Like, he goes and he kisses the wall. What, what mm. is the significance of this? Well, in the old days, the emperor used to have, like, a ring you could kiss, you know? 
to signify your allegiance to him. You know, come kiss the ring. Before we carry on, is that a diagonal ring? Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> Derek had a bunch of these made up, like these obnoxiously huge Super Bowl type rings uh, that he was selling. You got to show it back on the screen here for me for just yeah. for just one second here. It's pretty outrageous. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how many of these we have. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that's going to send some people wild. Okay. <laughs> We've sold hundreds of them already. I don't know. They've been around for a while. Have you got your Diagon uh, Super Bowl ring yet? No. You're not <laughs> part of the club then. That's a season season two limited edition. Uh, we don't have any much more of these. I don't know if he's still making them or not. But uh, So yeah. you yeah, look I at the wall a... then and you go, the wall is the ring of the current empire. It's a, it's a gesture of uh, submission, I think. I mean, you're seeing every U.S. president go there. Yeah. Why? Well, What's that's, the significance? So, uh, like, that's... I'm, that's that's what I, I. But did you see? Did Trudeau do it? I'm not sure. Like I don't I'm remember. Not sure, I'm, I'm not sure if Canadians, because everybody was uh, the Malay thing, right? He goes over to the WEF and he calls out the WEF yeah. for everything they're doing, and you're like, oh wow, yeah. you know. Yeah. And then it's like a week later, he's kissing the wall, and nobody talks about it. I'm like, that's like what? Well, like is that every Hillary, leader? Um, is that something to do with Argentina? Is that a U.S. Yeah. thing? I'm sure my phone is going to be going uh, ballistic yeah. when people hear this. People, people should watch. Like, I don't. They shouldn't watch much TV at all because it's really terrible. But there was one. You remember Game of Thrones? Game of Thrones. Uh, House of Cards. House of Cards. Yeah. House of Cards is a much more realistic representation of what politicians are actually like. And uh, Hillary Clinton said this at a at a supposed to be a private function, but it, it got leaked out that uh, you know she at the, these donors and stuff, right? And they're asking her about you know this, like, why should we give you money to be president? And she's like, listen, you have a public position and you have a private position. What I tell everybody out here isn't necessarily what i actually think it's just what i'm telling them so they'll do what i want you know like that's that's how it is so there could totally be an understanding where he's like i'm gonna go say oh wf bad boo yeah whatever it's just i'm just placating my base it's just it's just it's just theatrics yeah they know it's like like pro wrestling you know if you're like if we had some kind of uh like people do do this sometimes i've noticed this the, the, the craftier schemier types internet personalities and stuff sometimes they'll have like fake fights and create fake kind of beefs and stuff just to generate uh, attention and money and, you know, get people talking about it. But behind the scenes, like, yeah, we're just, this is all just putting it on, you know, to manipulate people. And that's, I mean, who knows? He's, but the, but the weird thing, like, why is a grown man brought to, t- I mean, he looked like his entire family had been killed. Like, this is the way his body, like, like the guy's barely functional. He's like in tears. He's emotional. He's shaking. He's got to be. Well, and, and I, I would, I would say uh, from my angle, it, it, to me, it looked like he was experiencing God. Like for the first time, and I'm like, okay, so this is a pretty powerful ceremony. That that's what I took Maybe. out of it. I'm like, this Could be. this looks to be a very powerful moment for him because he's yeah. he's sobbing. You're you're absolutely right. He's he's being hung by another yeah. grown man, which is whatever, and he's sitting there bawling his eyes out. I'm like, what is going on over there? What is significant about this? I don't know. And sure. why have you know? And here I am, and I'm talking about a guy really needs to do a little re- research on it just figure out what the whole ceremony is about because you know like i just don't understand it well i mean they're they're powerful israel's got uh i think they're probably the most powerful country in the entire western like the whole thing like everybody has to come there to kiss the ring uh desantis was uh, passing laws in florida <clears throat> on anti-bds like you're not allowed to criticize israel you're not allowed to boycott israel you're not allowed to do any stuff an american governor of florida and he signed those bills in Israel, he went over there to sign them ceremoniously in front. Like, what does that suggest? The relationship is they didn't come to him; he went to them. 
The president goes to them. We all have to go, go there, kiss the wall, put the hat on, do the dance. Come on now. Let's go. Be a good boy. It's, uh, it's disturbing. And then when you combine this with, oh, there's an island, and like it's the only one. You know, they kept calling it Epstein Island. It's not Epstein Island. Epstein was an employee. It's Mossad Island. Mossad is the intelligence network of the Israeli uh, government. And they're blackmailing politicians and CEOs and influential people, billionaires, to, you know, follow their agenda and do what they want. And now you've got people going there and kissing the wall. Like, you know. Forgive me. I, do we got to come out and say it? But, like, it's it's not looking good here. I should have picked up on this earlier. But you, Mossad Island. I, I So Epstein Island is Mossad Island. Yeah. Yeah, so his girlfriend, uh, Ghislaine Maxwell, her yes. father, Robert, is a, was a Mossad agent. And Jeffrey was given a nice little gig here. Like, why? Uh, his whole background story is, is insane and ludicrous. He was like some kind of teacher. He's not even very intelligent. But he ends up with this uh, massive blackmail ring operation. And he's convicted uh, for child sex crimes once already, let out, and back to continuing what he's doing. He's still cavorting with a lot of these figures and talking with them and being friendly with them. Like, they know he's a convicted pedophile. They don't care kills himself in jail you know um things like uh and you've got uh, like trump is pardoning jonathan pollard who's an israeli spy helped steal nuclear secrets and he gets pardoned the january 6 guys didn't get pardoned jonathan pollard did though you know um there's there's a million of these little strange the uss liberty was an attack on american sailors a u.s navy ship in 1967 uh Dozens of them were killed, hundreds of them were wounded, and the United States in its entirety, history, has never called off a rescue mission except for that one. They turned the planes out. Never mind, bring them back, let them sink, and let them die because they found out it was Israel attacking the boat. And they tried to wash it under the rug. The Israelis tried to sink the boat to blame it on the Egyptians so the Americans would fight the Egyptians for them in the, in the war. Um, like I can go on. Like this, this is everywhere. APAC. There's the American Israeli uh, Political Action uh, Conference or core. I don't know whatever it is. But uh, in America and in any serious country, if you're basically an agent of another state, so if I'm in Canada and I'm a billionaire or we're the Koch brothers or somebody, and I'm like, hey, I really uh, for because it's in my interest to get this particular governor of Montana elected. I'm going to spend tons of money getting him elected on behalf of the Canadian. Like, that's me interfering in an American political process, right? I'm not American, but I'm... So John F. Kennedy tried to stop that. And he said APAC is going to be registered as a foreign lobby. So there's going to be, you know, highly scrutinized, uh, you know, and caps on things they're going to be allowed to do. And this whole money pipeline into just buying politicians is going to be over. Well, that never really got anywhere because he got shot in the face. At the same time, they're investigating the Demona nuclear uh, plant in Israel, which had been stealing nuclear weapons secrets and material from uh, NUMEC in the United States. Like, all of this is proven to be true. So, and now, uh, to top it all off, you've got the Super Bowl that just happened. You've got everybody, you know, sidebar, hilarious, BLM gaslighting, you know, the trans stuff, the COVID stuff. Everyone's, remember they were burning jerseys and season tickets, like, I'm never going to support the NFL again after all this. Yeah, you will. Two years later, there you are, look at you. And everybody's doing that. At the same time this is happening, Israel takes full advantage and bombs deliberately in broad daylight a refugee camp full of women and children because they know nobody's going to care. Nobody's paying attention. Everybody's watching the Super Bowl. And nobody's going to hold them accountable for it. And we're sending them billions of dollars in weapons and funding and money and aid. And Elon, Mu Elon Musk, most power. well, I keep wanting to say this. He's the, on paper, <laughs> of, the, of the people we're allowed to know about and talk about, he's the richest man in the world. He's probably in the ballpark of top 100 or something maybe, but I'm sure there's 
people substantially wealthier than him that you just don't hear about, you know, like the Rothschild family, for example. But he uh, he owns twi- buys Twitter. He's got so much money. He's for fun. He's like, I'm just going to send rockets into space because I'm bored. That's how much money this guy has. And he's made to he buys he buys Twitter. And then he's the October 7th thing happens. There's a huge PR disaster for the Israelis. All of this war crime stuff is filtering. It's all getting out on Twitter. All, a lot of things I'm talking about people are hearing for the first time. Elon Musk all of a sudden has a Twitter space on his own platform where he's, you know, condescendingly, you know, lectured by seven rabbis. Then he's flown over to Israel and has to, oh, look at all the stuff that, well, there's a genocide happening behind him. Look at this empty crib. Oh, look at these. Then he's whisked away to Auschwitz for a, you know, browbeating, gaslighting, you know, how dare you tour of Auschwitz. And now Twitter is censoring and suppressing anybody that's talking about any of these things. So again, most he's the richest man in the world, and not even he is allowed to have these opinions. Not even he's allowed to talk like this on his own platform that he bought. So what does this suggest? Like what? How powerful are these people? I would suggest probably near the top to be able to do. Like who else could do things like this? Could the Russians do this? Could the Chinese get away with this? Could any other country in the world get away with any of this? I don't think so. Um, and that's why I'm not allowed to have a bank account <laughs> and keep getting arrested and chased around and the media hates me and so on. And, uh, that's probably part of the reason why Ezra Levant doesn't like me so much, but that's okay. Well, you just said a whole lot there. Now, now I'm, I did, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm like, so, <laughs> yeah. So earlier when I was like, I'm not sure what kind of audience, you, like where you guys are at, you know, this is, is this all new to you? Is this, you know, some I've heard before, some I haven't, is this all well, like, part, parts, you know, parts nervous of it, breakdown? Part, parts of it, parts of it certainly, part, um, certainly new, mm. you know, uh, well, parts of it certainly new, uh, parts of it, uh, I've heard rumblings. I've, I've, you know, mm. I've been, I've been yelled at an awful lot. If I'm being honest on the text line that I don't talk about <laughs> Israel, Palestine enough yeah. and people don't know. Because the information is heavily gatekept and, har- and suppressed and hidden, and anybody that talks about it is punished if you're not on the wrong team. And uh, maybe right this team. is the wrong way, and, and um, see what your thoughts are on this. I, when I look at it, I'm like, I can't, and part of it is probably exactly what you just said, how much everything's suppressed and everything. Mm. I'm like, I can't make heads or tails of any of it, because like, look at what they did in Canada. If, if you didn't know the channels, and I mean, by the end, yeah. it was pretty easy because it was our country and we saw how many cameras were just sitting there filming the entire bloody thing anyways. But yeah. look at how many things they tried doing with, uh, you know, burning down this or, or def- you know, defecating on this or, or the Nazi yeah. flag or, or the protest in, as it goes through uh, Manitoba, they're taking picture of PPC hats and Trump uh, make America great and, and trying to just like yeah. frame it. And so I could see how in Canada back then, you know, it, there was a lot going on. And by the end, you, you understood, I think. But I mean, still, there's people two years later that still, you know. Yeah. They, there, like, I mean, they, there was, wasn't justified. It's like, what? It's like, yeah, yeah it, well, I'm glad that came. I was more surprised they said that. Yeah. And so well, when I look at Israel Palestine, I, I sorry, Jeremy, I just no, I look at yeah. it and I go, oh, how do I do this justice with not being there and knowing what the heck is going on? Yeah. Well, and, and they, they do a good job of keeping the information under wraps, too, because unless you're intimately involved in that world, like, you don't see it. Like, there was people that, uh, you know, use a convoy as an example, they legitimately thought it was a bunch of terrorists, like, overthrowing the country, and it was chaos, and it was just an insurrection. Like, they believe this, because when you go watch CBC, that's what they were telling people. Yes. Uh, the fifth the fifth estate hit piece they tried to drag me into, they didn't succeed very well, but they, you know mangled for poor pat king and uh, james bowder and his wife and they just I, that's what they were going to do right i knew what they were up to i wasn't going to participate but they uh 
used a clip, uh, the famous the, the, one of the horses trampling all the people and knocking the woman off the mobility scooter and stepping on that guy's head and all of that stuff. That clip is in the Fifth Estate piece. And they used the frame before the horse makes contact with the first protester. That's when they cut the shot. Like, they're deliberately lying. They know what they're doing. They know what's really going on. Yeah. And they're framing it and bending it and twisting it to make, to make well, it and, look and, like something and else. And I was sitting in Lloyd. This is probably four or five months after. And a man came through to talk about Ottawa at a church. And so I went mm. because I was, well, I, I don't know if me and you have ever talked about this, but, you know, I left abruptly about five, six days in. Anyways, guy comes through, he's talking about it. And I was really curious what he was going to say. Uh, and he lived in Ottawa, blocks away from it, and was terrified to go to it. <laughs> terrified. And he talks about, Crazy. like, you know, he's he's just like, I got to, finally, at some point, I got to go see this, right? Man of faith. He, he He's like, I, I've got to go see this. So he's literally gearing himself up and, and he's you know he's he's you could tell on stage he's like he's like he's a ner- visibly nervous telling the story which is kind of funny and in and, and he's and, you know he's like pumping himself up and he says he goes down he parks his vehicle he starts walking he's terrified he's heard all these stories of how like the place is just gonna be on fire and everything else and then he's looking and everybody's he's he's, he's smiling and there's kids everywhere and pretty soon he's high-fiving everybody and He's like, what? What they got it? So he jumps in his car and he turns around. He drives all the way home and he says, "You guys got to get in the car and go see this." So if the yeah. people sitting in Ottawa didn't know, yeah, the people sitting on this side of the country or BC, let's say, let's pick on somewhere, you know, like Vancouver, uh, didn't had no no clue and, and probably still don't have any clue. Mm-hmm. When and that's how powerful the media is. Like that's you're controlling the input sensory sensory inputs that everybody receives instead of experiencing the world firsthand or through uh you know stories or information being passed on by people you trusted back in the day from your family and friends or people from around town or whatever that said this this or that happened or you got to see this and so uh we're living in basically a pod world where a lot of people work from home now or they work at you know an office building they're in their car your actual interaction with people is very minimal it's it's mostly this now and this is all controlled by the same people. They can control what's on the screen, what's not on the screen. And if you don't know what to look for or where it is, you just don't see it. So if you're somebody who's just scrolling CBC and YouTube and Facebook and all the normie, regular, I mean, you're not a hardcore internet, you know, person like, you know, I've been in here for years, like decades, right? I grew up with the internet, but uh, they're not, you're not going to see any of this stuff. You're, so you're not going to have any of these clues or signals that anything's wrong. And you're just going to be, you know, totally you know, <laughs> knocked over sideways. Eventually, when you come into contact with what's actually happening, it, it can be it can be traumatizing. It's it's really traumatizing to a lot of people, I think. And I think it's given a lot of people a serious. I think the mental illness in this country is really really high. Um, and I don't think this helped. You know, it's it's for me too, especially like uh, from the military uh, stuff. I never really felt that I had any kind of tra- traumatic uh, problems from. You know, violence or PTSD or anything like this, but there there's a sense of it's like the betrayal trauma of of um, kind of feeling and, and discovering that like we've been used and lied to and abused like that. That's something that can really screw with your head. And uh, I, you know, th- that's a tiny community, the Canadian military and and your friends and family and stuff. That's not very many, but when it came to COVID, this was everybody's family everywhere all the time, and people are you know coming to grips with did they did i get they screw me did i get screwed over 
did they lie to me? You know, like that's, you know, when the people you trust to look after you are doing that to you, that's, uh, that's a hard one to swallow. And that doesn't it shatter over well. Yeah. yeah it, and it, it, sh- and it can, shatters it. It can, it can make people go crazy. Yeah. And I, it does. I, and it, it does. Yeah. Look outside. All of these protest people, like this is their professional, like this is what they do now. They're just outside in, you know, costumes every day. All day. They've gone nuts. Screaming about this, that, and the, and the other. They've, they're on Twitter. They think they're in some kind of engaged in some kind of war. They're doxing people back and forth, and they're trying to get people killed. And like it's, you've lost your mind. The stress, like the stress of the last couple of years, has just literally broken uh, a pile of people. And now they're, you know, you you uh, about you've you faced the wrath of uh, the machine. I mean, you literally went to jail. Um, the last time I had you on was January uh, of, uh, 2023. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's been a year essentially, you know, in in the last year you've won some court cases. Um, you know, when, when it's speaking of you specifically, you know, you got, uh, told to get your bank account out of here. We don't agree with your, your views. Like I, I'm sure I'm missing about 17 things, Jeremy, but what else have, has gone on that you can bring us all up to speed on, on your side of things? Uh, well, you mentioned the hate gate stuff earlier. That was pretty significant when that came out. Um, that was in the summertime, I think, or fall, September, right? Uh, I'm going to ask you, <laughs> I think it was like, in September. What happened was, uh, directly after the convoy stuff, uh, cause we knew you you see the public safety minister on TV, like it's an organized militia with a steel resolve and they, and I'm like, what is he read? He's reading something like, what is that? Who wrote that? And there's people in parliament in the house of commons and in the Senate, uh, you know, what's her name? And she's like, oh, it's a, they're going to build an ethno state. They're going to do all that. Like, what is she reading? What is that? Who wrote that? Where Where is this coming from? So let's foy pop some things and let's find out. So um, some of the guys uh, put some packages together to request uh, Freedom of Information Protection of Privacy Act to we want all the things that say anything with diagonal on it, anything with my name on it that involves the RCMP or CSIS or any, like, let's just give me the whole thing. And they're like, oh, it's going to take a long time. It's a lot of paper. That's fine. It's going to cost you more money. That's fine. We're going to have to extend it. That's fine. They kept coming. supposed to be 60 days or something. It ended up being more like six months. Um, But we did get it. And it was a lot of of RCMP uh, emails and memos and briefing packages. And it all said exactly pretty much what we expected it to. Uh, Anti-hate said a bunch of craziness. They spent an insane amount of money uh, investigating this and sending agents all over the place and looking into this. They turned over every leaf and rock and rug and looked behind every picture and looked for every false wall they could find. And then went, yeah, there's just nothing to this. what are you going to do? And that was up. That was until we're waiting on the next dump, which should be coming soon. But we have everything up until like the spring of 2022. Um, so that was uh, now it was I'd been saying this all along and we'd been maintaining this was this is what's really happening all along. And they say, sure. Oh, sure. Or we're going to believe you or the RCMP, CBC, CSIS. You know, they're saying all this. And it's just, yeah, I was right. And they're all lying. And the, like people are like, that's crazy. No, that's that's what happened. Here's proof. Here's their own emails. Here's their own words. Here's their own detective inspectors. Here's their own departments. Here's your own CSIS agents. Here's your own people being, ah, we can't, we can't even define it as a group. We can't even say Diagalon is any, is even any, we don't even know what to say this is. This is nothing. It's a podcast fan club. That's as far as it goes. It's a time traveling cocaine snorting. Yeah. Go. Yeah. 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 He's just, I mean, it's a, it's a fun gimmick mascot, but you know, they, they, they turned it into something that it wasn't. And, um, 
anyway, there was proof of that. And then within days, within a day or two, Bernie Farber, the chairman of the Canadian Anti-Hate Network, resigned to spend time with family. Um, right after that, the nightmare didn't stop there. Then, of course, the October 7th thing happened with the Israelis. And they'd spend all this time being like, Islamophobic, you guys are Islamophobic, and blah, 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 blah. This happens, they have nothing. How can you, now you can't criticize anything. You can't target the Palestinians. Half your half the people you've been playing to all this time are the minority-supporting, flag-waving, refugees-welcome types. Uh, don't be an Islamophobe, dude. And now, so they're just, <laughs> you know shredded um that's been fun uh i'm currently engaged in a, a civil litigation against ezra levant for smearing me as a he called me a, a government agent he's seen proof you see he's seen uh secret court documents hundreds of pages of secret court documents that prove that i uh was directly and indirectly involved in the whole coot situation and arranging all of this and it's very damning and all oh, you're gonna see and all that and i'm like you're making that up none of that's true uh, so I'm suing him, and and now the Coots thing, you know, has happened. We got the uh, uh, Lysak is is out now. He got uh, a lawyer that uh, we were able to fundraise and pay for, and again, no no criminal finding of any conspiracy, no nothing like that. There's just it's in the wind. It never it was never real. So it's been a year basically of just steady kind of. Every few months, there's been another bomb drop where oh look, uh, we were right again. We were telling the truth again. So um, I've got. Two cases left. Uh, my girlfriend and I are still, you know, in pretrial motions for uh, an arrest and charges from 2022 in March at a, at a protest. Uh, that's been fun and wild. That's an open court. People are coming in. Lots of people come to witness that. Seeing police officers say, "Well, yeah, we're arresting people to make advantage, make examples of them." So we they'd stop protesting, like just proud of it, you know, openly, right? And you could hear people audibly gasp in the courtroom, like, "I can't believe you're saying these things." And and why did you do this? Oh, well, the premier told us to, essentially. Oh, so the premier is just having people arrested now. Yeah, that's interesting. So maybe a lawsuit there. You know, we'll see how this rest of this case plays out. But it's uh, pretty shocking to see some of the, this testimony and things that are coming out of this. And uh, the rest of the cases are dead in the water. They're either been withdrawn or stayed or about to be. And um, I'm looking forward to that, having this wrapped up. It's been two, two, two plus years of these legal you know battles everywhere. I'm getting hauled across the country and ankle and belly chains and People are trying to stab you, and they're calling you white supremacists in jail, and sending all these native gang members after you, and for again lies, and uh, just because you're on the wrong side of the political uh, football field, and all the weight is on the other side, and they are able to, you know, treat you special, like we've seen. Like uh, if I if I had been David Zegarak, uh, maybe I would have gotten a medal instead, but because I'm on this side. Uh, you know, you get treated this way. Just recently, I had a, a cryptocurrency exchange just ban me. For no reason. And one it's in Ottawa. Canadian Bitcoins, I think is the name of the company. And they're like, Yeah, security reasons. I was like, What security reasons are those? And they're like, uh, uh policy. What policy would that be? And there's just no answer. So, you know, that comes with the territory. I was like, Oh, so they obviously know who I am and they just don't want to do serve me or or you know, so they're just gonna come up with some reason. So maybe maybe I'll go after them too. I don't know. It's it's I've got an abusive process motion that's fine, working its way through the courts in Quebec, uh, accusing yeah malicious prosecution, essentially I'm going for there, against the Crown prosecutors, probably going to be a civil uh, case against them there. Same thing happening in Nova Scotia as well. It's going to be years, you know, probably more of this of this crap, but, you know, um, you can't let them get away with it. And uh, I had people donate 
you know, a fair amount of money to help me, you know, fight these. So that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing with it. That's what it's for. So, you know, why not? It is annoying to have to constantly, you know, I'm sitting here a lot of mornings, just sitting here for hours, listening to lawyers argue with each other, <laughs> you gotta be present and, you know, sit there, but, um, you know, it's, they started it. So, uh, it's, uh, shoes on the other foot now. When you mention gang members roughing you up in prison, it, it- Oh yeah. Is that just like a, a passing remark or like were there tough days while you were locked up? I had I had two attacks like straight up. Like five or more guys just attacked me. Uh one of them they were they were trying to fix and to stab me up uh in one of the ranges and I managed to kind of escape that one. Another one I had gotten kind of a fight with a few of these guys and then the the COs quickly <laughs> to my benefit got in there and intervened and broke it got me out of there because it's they don't nobody in, the, in those places will fight one-on-one it's like seven on one like you're gonna get hurt like there's just no way around it but um yeah every day since i got there for at least the first two weeks in the in the local news in the newspaper because you get the local ctv news global news local to saskatchewan saskatoon i was in the saskatoon correctional center so that local news is on in the jail every there's very little watch and that's on there every day and there's my face you know you know white supremacist neo-nazi terrorist rapist woman beating you know all the shit all the things they were saying and then if that doesn't get it then there's the newspaper going around with my face and you know explaining oh and he's in this jail in the saskatoon jail there's not much to do in jail and when your jail's 98 99 percent um, indigenous gang members and people with you know hundreds hundreds of convictions and stuff like it's something to do, isn't it? It's it's a fun time. So that's you know I I feel like that was done intentionally or at least tried to you know to their credit there was uh, people in the jail actually that uh, pulled me aside at one point that work for like some kind of secret security like they're not supposed to know that they're there I guess like they're like civilian employees but they're retired. Uh, from other other sectors and they're like the they're like intelligence and security and that like because they keep like if there's gangs going to assassinate each other there's going to be riots or, or whatever like they're there to try to keep tabs on things i think i assume they're listening to phone calls and they're you know doing this kind of stuff and they're like we're gonna keep an eye on on it for you so you don't get murdered but they're like if anything happens you know uh let us let us know or something like that so it was in, like thankfully you know i at least had that like there's a kind of a lifeline to if it got real crazy but well it's um, it's easy to i don't think about- there was a yeah, I don't think it was a formal like assassination yeah. attempt. It was more just, you know, you've got a bunch of twenty-year-old something guys with, you know, no, they poured dozen. gasoline on the fire. Yeah, and they're bored and they're like, fucking fuck this guy, let's get him. You know, so I don't. Again, can I swear here? I don't mean to. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. I, I, I mean, let's get him. And and that happened a couple times. So I was just lucky that I was able to, you know, manage these situations. <laughs> I'll say. <laughs> yeah. Without getting it, stabbed, but close call. You know, all jokes aside, when you're when you're talking about that, it's like you'd have to go somewhere else in your mind to to uh, prepare for that. I assume, right? I mean, because you're not just it, laying in your bunk going, "Well, I'm just gonna read a book and sit here yeah, and be bored can. for for 24 hours." That is that isn't what like. Yeah, you you got to pay attention and be careful because. Um... Yeah, it was kind of like being it was kind of like being in the army again. It's very it's similar to, in some ways. Like you're in a very militant, regimented schedule. You go to bed, you get up when they tell you to. You have everybody showers in the open. There's no doors on the toilet stalls or anything. There's like time to eat, time to sleep. Now you're going here, now you're going there. It's all very It's like being a POW. 
Um, so a lot of that was kind of familiar in a lot of ways. It's a bunch, it's all men. It's all, it's this kind of like macho alpha hierarchy of, you know, shit testing and guys are leaning on other to see, see if they can take liberties on who and who they can push around and who. So there's some of that. It's, there's some, it wasn't that foreign to me. Um, so it was, yeah, it's, and it's not a good time, but it wasn't. Uh, as shocking as it would be if I was say like I work at a I'm a bank teller and I get a DUI and thrown in a place like that I would not want to be I wouldn't want to be that guy they put me in the they put me in the gang range right away because <laughs> they get in and they clear you in and they take pictures of you and they're like you got any tattoos like who are you with I'm like who am I with like, yeah who are you with are you with IP2 or are you with like Indian Posse and all these guys uh, Terror Street like all, I don't who, I don't know what any of this is they're all gangs in Saskatoon I'm like. Like, oh, well, we'll put you on, like, a civilian range for just people that are, you know, not involved in the criminal underworld, really. You're just here for my... And like, I was like, okay, cool. And they put me in here, and all these guys, they're tattooing each other's faces right away. <laughs> like, the place is a jungle. And uh, they're all, like, there's guys in there for murders and just crazy stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I, the first guy I talked to, one of the only ones I've, you know, kind of made friends with in there, he had a, a one percenter tattoo on his neck, like the diamond, like a lot of the motorcycle club guys get that. So I assume he's probably a Hells Angels guy or something. He's one of the only, there's like four or five white guys in the whole jail, including me. And uh, I was talking to him and he's like, yeah, this is the, he's like, what are you doing here? This is like the gang range. This is the bad guy range. Like we're all hardened gang members and murderers and shit. I'm like, of course, this is where they put me. Very cute. Very nice. I don't know why it went that way, but they're actually, uh, a lot of those guys, I was in and out of that range a couple times and they were, they were good to get along with. They were pretty funny. And the one guy uh, I did make friends with there, you know, he was like, yeah, let's, we'll go out and lift weights one day. After two or three days I was there and it was bad weather. Then the weather was good. Did I tell you this last time? I don't know, but we went out and, uh, it's like we're gonna use the bench press. And it was like this is like October, late September in Saskatchewan. He pulls his sweater and his shirt off, and he's covered in swastika tattoos and <laughs> white power tattoos and everything. I was like, of course you are. Of of course this. Of course you are. You know, uh, when I was leaving, I was getting ready to leave. He was like, I would get a. I want to get a picture with you, but it'd be bad for my reputation. <laughs> so this guy said to me. <laughs> But uh, you know, it it was yeah, it was a wild, it was a crazy experience. But I I wouldn't want to uh, if that's not something you're you know ready for it. It could be it would be pretty traumatizing. I think there was a few guys in there that got uh, did did not didn't go well. Uh, they didn't have a good time. They got you know beat up pretty good, and um, yeah, it's it's an unpleasant place for sure. Ezra Levant, you mm. you mentioned you're suing him. And I've been watching yeah. this, you know, one of the, I don't know, from where I sit, and uh, I don't know if I'm doing it right, Jeremy, I have no idea. I have zero clue. But I see all this infighting, I see all these, I'm like, what the fuck is going on with all these people? I'm just mm. like, I, you know, young family, married, I got, I'm, I'm, I stare at all this, and I know different people from different things, and I want to bring you all, I want nothing more than to bring you on and have you guys talk it out, which is probably impossible, right? So oh, like yeah. if if Ezra listens to this like wouldn't that be yeah. fun? Oh, I think that'd be yeah. fun. Um, but but it just seems so strange. You got, you got Rebel News going around the world. They're they're like literally reporting on the front lines, everything. And I go all the way back to when they were going to run a story about you, um, close to the Freedom Convoy, and then they dropped it, and then they wouldn't talk about it at all. And I'm like, well, that's kind of odd. Then they kind of half reported on Coots 4. Then they stopped reporting on Coots 4. Then they wouldn't touch it. But then when they got out, yeah. they, they came out saying that they had helped fundraise for it. And I'm like, well, th this is yeah. 
this is kind of strange. I don't know. Like I just, to me, I'm like, I don't fully understand this. And yeah. you're not the the first person to talk ill of, of rebel news and probably not the last, but I I've, I've also dealt with a bunch of the rebel news staff and I think they're, they seem like they're wonderful people. I don't know. Um, I have never dealt with Ezra Levant. I'm, I want to be clear. Uh, I, I've seen him, I've met him maybe twice. Um, mm. But other than that, like I, I, to me, I'm just like, I don't, I don't get this from rebel news standpoint. Why would they do this? Why? Because he, I've read his tweets about. Yeah, I've read the hundred documents. Jeremy McKenzie is not who he says he is. Essentially, mm -hmm. yeah. Did you freeze? No, I didn't freeze. Oh, <laughs> you just very, very. I, I thought we had a connection problem again. No, I think so. So what's going on here is, as I said earlier, I'm, I've been very outspoken as against Israel for a long time. Um, so you think it's his 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 heritage? Yes. Oh, so that that's where his allegiance really is. That's I think that's what at the end of the day that's who he's that's who he goes home to. That's you can you can only have I mean, if you have to choose between Israel and Canada, which one is it? Right? It should be an easy answer. It should always be can I'll always, you know, this is my home. This is my friends and family and community. I would never um, you know, choose the interests of some, you know, a foreign state over this mm -hmm. one, but he will. Um his uh, allegiance to that is why is why we're at odds. I've been um because he used uh, footage from my uh, protest at uh, uh, over Omar Khadr years ago at Dalhousie University. He was there giving a speech. They used footage. He wouldn't mention my name, wouldn't say, because even back then he was aware or somehow or something. Um, and since, there's been, I've been around in the news a couple of times that they've danced around. And um, Sheila Gunn-Reed did a nice hit piece on me where she weaponized the stigma against Canadian veterans having PTSD and being alcoholics and all these kinds of disgusting things that she said. Um, so yeah, they're just a very hostile, uh, group there. Probably, you know, that's really what it comes down to is based on a lot of that. Um, it's fine. It's all, you know, high fives and chocolate cakes when everybody's getting along, but there's certain things that if you don't toe the line with Ezra's, uh, no, there's no, there's no room for you. And, uh, they'll, and, and he's been sued, uh, numerous times successfully by people for slander. He, he lies all the time. This is his business model. He farms, uh, outrage from the right wing. Much in the same way that the anti-hate does, farms outrage from the left wing. They're kind of two sides to the same thing. Uh, he'll find things that gets uh, conservative Canadians particularly really upset and angry and fired up. And then he's got his handout for donations for whatever cause it is, .ca.com, truckerlawyer.ca, hawaiifires.com, whatever, whatever it is that day. And all this money goes into a slush fund. And very nicely on the bottom, and in fine print, if you, know, you look into it, it'll say, well, I can you know, use this for whatever. This doesn't necessarily mean every one of these dollars is going to go to this cause. It could go to any, uh, but that's at the bottom in fine print. Very, very, very nice lawyer move there. But uh, that's a lot of people have a problem with that. Um, millions of dollars was probably sent into this trucker lawyer fund and all through just the convoy and the coots thing. And uh, people with the understanding that don't have a lot of money, like people, the cost of living in this country is insane. We've never, I don't think it's ever been worse. Um, so to be taking, soliciting donations from the public for uh, something and then not use it for that thing is incredibly underhanded. And, and predatory, and it's routine. And he's been successfully, again, sued numerous times for, for slander, for just making stuff up about it. He's had to pay $80,000 judgments, $60,000 judgments. This is who he is. He's a liar. In court, he says, I'm not a journalist. And out of court, he says, I'm a journalist. Give me money so I can do journalism. So I'm, uh, you know... He wanted to ha he 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 used the state's narrative on Coots and said you know backed up oh yeah no conspiracy Dagalon that oh yeah it's all there it's, I've seen the documents it's all real it's not real but his personal vendetta or his personal feelings about me 
because I don't I don't believe in the chosen people narrative and that the Israelis should just reign supreme over the earth and just massacre children at will and do whatever they want and they can own everything. I don't believe any of that. I think that's all crazy nonsense and those people are are garbage. So you know he's he's always going to be against me no matter what no matter what happens because that's again at the end of the day who he plays for. That's why I think people have a hard time going. Why is he acting like this? We understand that that's that's really who he's, who his allegiance is to, not Canada. Then it, it you know makes more sense. Hmm. That's uh, well, you know, from from a listener standpoint, I've tried getting it. Uh, one of the things that I've uh, if I I don't know, Jeremy may come and may may want to jump to. I, the one thing I admire about Ezra Levan is I got to watch him interview, uh, ask questions at an Alberta Prosperity Project uh debate back when Daniel Smith was running for the UCP, and I was he talked. I told him this. <laughs> Which I guess I shouldn't probably shouldn't have. This is probably why he's never come on the podcast. But he asked me if I if he talked too much, and I said, "Yeah, you talk too much." And he was like, uh, uh, "And I was like, oh, there were great questions." And the thing I admired about him was he asked, like, you know, if there was one thing I could take from him, was never be nervous to ask the question. If it's about COVID, if it's about the coots for, if it's about whatever. Ask a question because everybody wants yeah. to hear said question be asked. Yeah. Unless right? it's about is unless it's about Israel, right? Israel. But uh, but in, in fairness, at that time, now we're talking yeah. two years ago. The things that were yeah. the hot button issues about that yeah. time was anything COVID, was transgender, right? Uh, kids yeah. in school learning about it. Those two in particular really popped to mind, and I remember thinking, "Wow, he's he's going to ask it. He's going into the paint." But everybody, I I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm wrong in this. Is there is there is there something Jeremy's not willing to talk about, right? Is there something Sean's not willing to talk about? I like to think that I'm, I'm like, I'm uncomfortable in lots of conversations. Uh, that happens to me often. I'm still working on this, um, but I've been trying to open it up so that people can talk and we can hear, you know, because it helps format my thoughts and, and arguments and, oh, that's, hmm, right? But Israel-Palestine, I've already admitted to it. Like, I, yeah. to me, I don't know anything. Like, I just, I see well, the, that's, the that's bombs not even... going off everywhere. Oh, it's it's mental. I mean, yeah, they're despicable. Like every everything that the the Germans have ever been accused of doing, Israel's actually doing right now. Like today, not eighty years ago. It's happening right now today, and people are like, "Oh, well, there's a Super Bowl." But I mean, it, we shouldn't have anything to do with this. This is none of our business. This is the other side of the planet. Why are why is this happening? Why are there protests about this? What do you want Canada to do about this? You know what I mean? Like, why are we getting dragged in? We have enough of our own problems, and some of them I mentioned already. How many people are killed? We have a government-funded uh, suicide program. Correct. Uh, fentanyl. We're giving every- fentanyl to kids. Correct. You know, like, okay, these are real problems. I don't care about what's going on over there. And these people are in the streets. Oh, we want this and that. You can leave. You get out then. Go over there and deal with it. What do you? Problems are over there. They're not here. They're not in Edmonton. What do you want us to do about it? Anyway. Um, so, yeah, it's it's it's... Yeah, the, the people are loyal to the Israelis, and they won't uh, they won't budge on that ever. It's like they they're scared of them is what it really comes down to. They don't want to be called racist. They want to be called names. They don't want to have anybody attack them and come after them. So they just toe the line, even when they know they shouldn't, or when they know they, you know, there's things that you know they're hypo- hypocritical. But um, when you mentioned earlier, like if there's anything uh, you wouldn't talk about, I, I don't think so. Like I've already had to swallow a grenade, like a really sour one, and that was when you know. I, when I was a kid, I, I only wanted to be in the military since I was probably 10 years old, 10 or 12. Uh, that's all I ever wanted to do. That's all I based my entire, you know, uh, young adulthood around. And then when I finally got in there, I was, you know, it, it wasn't like a work to me. It wasn't a job. It was like an adventure that I'd wanted to go on my entire life. It was, it was, incre- it was 
all I cared about. And uh, I had to get to a point where, you know, we're, we're doing presence patrols and security, you know, I'm, I'm holding security positions with a machine gun, you know, in enemy territory to protect a, a uh, you know, natural gas pipeline survey team from the United States. What, what, what does that have to do with anything? What is going on? Why are we protecting poppy fields at night? Like, like, oh, well, this guy makes money from it, and this, you know, keeps these farmers happy, so that way they won't turn to the Taliban. What? Like, a lot of it didn't make any sense. And without, you know, going into hours and hours of how I eventually came to these conclusions, but, yeah, the, the, our militaries, are, all these wars are, you know, just being fought at the behest of other people, for other people's interests, not ours. There's nothing to do with what's good for Canada or America or England or any of us. This is all being done uh, for other people. And I had to essentially stand there in the, in the, I remember this, I was, like, shaving to go to work. And I'm just looking in the mirror, and my PMQ in Petawawa is a section commander at 3RCR, and I'm like, I'm, I'm an Imperial Stormtrooper is what I am. That's, that's what I'm doing. I'm just going around fighting whoever for the Empire so these people can keep... That's not okay. Like, I'm not okay with this. Like, I had to leave. I, I don't think I lasted another year in the military after that. I had to, like, just... Uh, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't keep doing this job that I'd grown up believing... And, like... Your friends are coming home in boxes. There's people killing themselves. Like, I don't know how many funerals I've been to and done, uh, you know, honor guard for and all of these things. And, you know, you're, you're trying to make the square peg fit in the round hole where it's like, oh, because they hate us for our freedoms, like 9-11, you know, Bin Laden. I don't – none of that carries any water because everyone knows it's, it, it's an empty story. It goes nowhere. It doesn't mean anything. Uh, there's no real – this wasn't like the the gates of Thermopylae and the Persians are going to, if they get through us, they're going to kill everyone, the women and children, like we have to stop these people and whatever. That wasn't that. It was this, it was this strange, we just, they sent us off to an alien planet to fight brown people that, you know, and there was, <laughs> eventually guys are going to need, the, the two plus two has to equal four in your head at some stage and it just can't. And then when you, when you rearrange the pieces to where it actually makes sense. So and. Something I've been thinking about lately is how people are kind of building their worldview based on feelings, especially in Canada. Feelings mm -hmm. is the is the foundation for how everything works. Instead of building uh, your worldview like the box, let's say, out of facts and logic, like this is what is real, and my feelings are going to have to go in that. They're going to have to fit inside this box because this is reality. This is what it is. And however you feel about it, that's, you know, that doesn't change anything. It is what it is. But instead, what the other people are doing is building it out of feelings, you know, this tube of ever shape-shifting, malleable, here-today, gone-tomorrow feelings, and then bending facts and reality around that to make it fit and make it work, which it can't. It's just, you know, a mess. And, and this is the world. That's the result. We've got tampons in the men's washrooms because of this. Like, everything's based on feelings. It doesn't make any sense. we got the NDP proposing a no-advertising bill for fossil fuels. And if you right. say something factually correct... You could still face jail time. Yeah. You're right. going. So, how is that yeah. even possible? Except for it's yeah. Canada 2024. So, so the hard part was okay. I had to just wipe everything that I thought I knew what was going on. Just, just clear the desk. It's all gone. And then just take what what is definitely like that's true. Like that's a fact. Whether I like it or not, it is what it is. And let's just start putting it together and let's build the box. And uh, when it's done, I couldn't stay. I couldn't stay in the military. I felt horrible about it. And I'm like, this is. I can't. You know, and they want us. To, they wanted at that time, like, go to Poland. I was supposed to go to Ukraine to train, you know, Ukrainians and, and do this. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. I just had a, I have a young son at home. I just had a, a my daughter was just born. Like, what if I get killed or what? Like, for what? I've, I've seen, I, I watched one guy who killed himself. The last conversation I had with him was they had him mowing lawns on the base. 
Gagetown, keep him busy, give him something easy to do, something low speed so he wouldn't, you know, hurt himself. It was very condescending. Like this guy was like not doing okay. And they were like, oh, well, we'll give you something easy to do, whatever. And I'm sitting there talking to him like, how are you doing, man? And he's like, um, he said, last year I was a section commander in charge of $20 million in equipment. 25 millimeter Bushmaster cannons, machine guns, grenade launchers, smoke grenades, night vision, laser guided, you know, <laughs> satellite radios, 10 guys under my command. I'm, you know, sec- second in command of the platoon. But now I'm a lawnmower man, you know? And then he went and shot himself not long after that. And at his funeral, there was his two young daughters were like scream, inconsolable at the casket. Daddy, no, just screaming. And I'm like, I could do that to my children, and it would be because. At the end of the day, because it's just what I did for money. Because I don't believe in this anymore. <laughs> I don't believe in it. This is lie. These are lies. Why? I should go get melted by Russian artillery. Why? So my children can have that experience. Why? Well, it's what I was doing for money. Get a different job, dude. You're not making that much. I made. What was I making seventy five thousand dollars a year? As essentially like an infantry sergeant, eighty thousand. Like, is that you know? If you're going to ask people to give their lives away, it, it needs to be for something that is so powerful and profound that even though it's going to destroy my family and, and my children are good, but I, it has to be done because it's this or it's worse, you know, that, or, the, or the Persians are going to get through and they're going to kill everybody and they're going to kill my children and all this kind of stuff, right? Those are the choices that we make, but, you know, I, I, couldn't, uh, I couldn't think of something like that and what it would do to my family and my friend, you know, um, forget me. Like, if you get killed, you don't know. You're dead. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to know. It's just going to be over. But you, I saw the wreckage of what it leaves behind. Another friend of mine killed by friendly fire. Just a dumb accident. Just an idiot knucklehead shot him fucking around. And it destroyed his family. You know, his father was never the same. He was, and they're on, like, all kinds of prescription pills now, you know. for Why? And we never got an apology. When we pulled out of Afghanistan and ended that, what, did anybody say sorry about that? We all had to sit and watch this. The helicopters and people falling their deaths off of the planes. And, oh, yeah, it's all just over now. The Taliban comes back in, takes over. Like just So so what was that for, boys? Why, why are all the guys dead? Why do all these families have to live with this ruinous hole in their life? And, and uh, it doesn't matter. Slava Ukraine now. Now we're doing this. So, no, I had to swallow all of that and rearrange, like, nuke my entire worldview, blown to smithereens, and rebuild it like toothpicks. Wanted a tiny little pieces to try and, and figure out what the hell is going on. And then when I got an accurate picture of it, that makes sense. And, and since then, and I haven't had to alter it much. It's been a pretty good roadmap since, and it's been painting a pretty clear uh, picture because, you know, now two plus two does equal four. Um, so, you know, when people say, like, well, it's easy for you to say that, have you ever had to, oh, yes. Oh, I've had to look in the mirror to, you know, and, and look deep. <laughs> so I don't have any sympathy for people that are like, you know, not willing to talk about what the Israelis are really doing because it's sensitive and they don't want it. That's nice, you know, I, but I've, I've done that, you know. Um, man up or shut up, you know, is essentially my response to those people because we're paying for this. The world is paying for this. Innocent people are paying for this and it, they're paying for it because people don't have the guts to talk about what's real. And again, we're going to bend everything. The feelings are what's important. We must preserve the core feelings worldview, <laughs> the tube of feelings or whatever it was. And we'll just bend and twist and contort the facts to around that like wallpaper. We'll just find a way to make it cover up everything and where it doesn't fit, we'll just paste something over the gaps. And, uh, you know, so everything's upside down. So we need to go back to a facts-based, you know, logic-based 
you know, worldview. And, and like you said, we need to have, to, we need to be able to talk to each other about these things in a serious and earnest way, in a thoughtful way so that we can figure out what to do about them. And instead everyone would just rather fight it, fight with each other and point fingers and, and make things up and lie and slander people. So I've been trying to just tell the truth. I've been, I've, I've not been, I don't have an agenda. I'm not trying to make anything happen or get somebody elected or steal money from somebody or get a program pushed through. I'm just like, this is what I've known to be true from my life experience. It has profoundly impacted me in a negative way because I didn't know certain things about how the world worked and it nearly killed me and it did kill a lot of my friends. So I feel a duty as a man and as a human being and as a Canadian to warn people about what's happening. And because of his, because I do that, other people who are impacted negatively because of that posture uh, decide to attack me. You know, I didn't, I didn't search out Rebel News and attack him. I was minding my own business, trying to help these guys in jail, trying to tell people what's going on in the country, trying to alert people. And he decided, because he's personally inconvenienced by whatever it is I'm saying and doing, to lie about me and say he's seen hundreds of pages of proof of something that doesn't exist. Right? So I'm not the one that's in the wrong here. Ezra is. Again. He likes to slander people. That's that's what he does. So anyway, sorry, that's kind of a long-winded uh, rambling answer. But uh, yeah, as far as people, it, it, it's a good it's a good point. Like, is there anything you're willing, not willing to, to look at and examine? You know, I've already had to accept that I was a, <laughs> basically a, an idiot zombie drone for, you know, the Empire, which is not a good feeling. Um, but you know, you can't go forward if you don't, uh, you know, pick your eyes up from the ground. You're just going to stand there in one spot and look at your feet your whole life. Anyway. No, I just, I think you, um, there's some things you said there that, uh, you know, I, I, I try and listen to what everybody say. I, I, I wish I could explain my way my brain works, but I'm like trying to focus. And then you say something and my brain goes, oh, that's a great thought. So I'm going to have to go back <laughs> and think about it, you know, yeah. but, uh, there's very few of us that, you know, that get, to the point of conviction of like where we're willing to go, you know, you talk about the Persians coming through. Yeah. Like, am I going to give up everything for what? Yeah. To let my kids die for what? Now, if yeah. the Persians are literally coming through the gates, we have no choice because if we don't yeah. go stand, and to me, yeah. that's Freedom Convoy. The way you just explained yes. that, all I can think of is that's why everybody went to Ottawa because they're like, we don't stand up to this. Like, yeah. Yeah, they're talking about putting us in camps. Camps, on and, and on and on it went. The passports, yeah, it was, it was madness. And so you go that when you when you play out uh, what you just said there we 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 experienced it here in Canada it was it was the freedom convoy that yeah. that's exactly what it was that's why when people met and saw each other all coming to stand at the gates you're like huh wow this is interesting you know yeah. the the um yeah that's that's something for everybody to think on because um I don't, that's a very tough question to answer what you're willing to go stand at the gates for. Yeah. And then two, you know, um, yeah, no, I just, no, I'm going to go back to that, that right there. That's, that's a question. And, and, yeah. and probably if there's something you're unwilling to talk about, right. That you, that's a blind spot. Hmm. Even, even if you're, you're confident you're right, but you're unwilling to talk about it. That's a blind spot. Yeah. I think you have to earn it through humility. Like, you can only get wisdom through suffering and humility. You have to be willing to get hurt and take a beating and be humble about it to learn anything. That's kind of the opposite of what we have here with these people. They're always right, no matter what happens. And they never accept responsibility for anything. And they're all in charge. What a, what a, what a wonderful mess that is. You know? Yeah. But I, I struggled with that for years. In the military, the last few years I was in there, I really had a hard time, like, 
it was more fun and int- like when you're 20 years old, it's a big adventure. You know, no, you don't really believe anything's ever going to happen to you. It, you know, until you start seeing people blow up and you know explode in front of you is pretty pretty terrifying, pretty traumatizing. Um, but it's it's it was like we'll do it, but I'm not gonna I'm, I'm not willing to give my life before like if if there was a way to know like you, uh, there's a guy on the, right there at the plane with a you know clipboard for somehow they're using elon musk's new ai <laughs> it'll tell you uh what's going to happen to you you're going to get shot in the face you're going to die you're going to be blown in half you're going to be fine you're going to be fine you're going to get on fire you're going to be fine like you're going to be told what's going to happen are you still going to get on the plane if the answer is no it's not worth it if you're like i'm still going because i have then that's what has to happen because that's that's something you do believe in. If you're willing to get hurt and suffer and maybe even die for it, because the alternative is worse, um, then then that's that's just what you have to do. Um, but we have, you know, I think you'll find a lot when people come up again. That's the difference between our you know our side and theirs. Like, do you think any of these any of these freaks that are bootlicking for the government and, and they get up against it? Like, are you going to throw it all away for for no? We need to get boosters. No, you're not. You oppressed these people and, and did all this to them. For money, for influence, for clout, because it's what you know you thought the machine wanted you to do. But if it was the other way around, you couldn't be you couldn't be us for ten minutes. You couldn't do this. You couldn't do it. Not only is there no rewards over here, there's pretty much just punishment. <laughs> pretty much just punishment. Uh, and they have the audacity to be like, "Oh, look at these freaks! You lose." Like you guys, they couldn't. Our detractors couldn't couldn't stand in our shoes for ten minutes. They enjoy the full support of the state, academia, the media, television, radio, entertainment. Everything is on their side. Big corporations, big banks, everything is on their side. And they think they're the resistance. It's it's you know it's funny. Cute. But, yeah, it's it cute. Is. It is cute. Well, I. <laughs> I told Jeremy when we started, I'm like, how long are we going for? We going for an hour? Well, you could go for as long as you want. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to slide over to Substack. I do a second little part, 10 minutes. Okay. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll get some final thoughts from Jeremy there. And okay. so we're going to take a brief pause. If you want to hop on over, folks, to Substack, uh, come on and, uh, and, and join us there.